I appreciate the opportunity to participate in this service. Nick is a very special man to me. He's, uh came to our church and was looking for someone to disciple him. It's not every day that you have that happen. It just so happens I enjoy discipling men. And I get to know Nick very well and uh, was very early in the stages that I recognized that God's hand was upon him. So it was very special to see him grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ and follow a calling of God. I have to admit that when uh, John Keene and Christ Central Church took him away from Christ Community Church... We were a little uh, upset, but you know what? This is really a, a blessing. You all have been a blessing to him, and I sense that he is a blessing to you all, and see how God has used you and, and used uh, Pastor John to bring uh, Nick to where he is today. And I thank God for that. This evening, I want to talk about endurance. The ministry is beginning for Nick tonight as we uh, set him aside an ordination, but it's an endurance race. It is not a quick 100-yard dash. Sadly, ministers drop out of the race all the time. We hear stories of that. And so one has to understand we need to be in for the long haul. When we talk about endurance, the Lord Jesus Christ is the perfect picture that it says in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 that he, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross despised in the shame and is set down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Then the next verse says that we consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you become weary and faint in your minds. It was interesting that 297 years ago, there was a man being ordained to assistant pastorship of Northampton Church in Massachusetts. His name was Jonathan Edwards. And he happened to preach his own ordination service. Isn't that interesting? And his topic was exactly this, endurance, from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It's also interesting because soon after that, uh, two years after that, he would be made the pastor because his grandfather, who was the pastor, died, uh, Solomon Stoddard. Twenty-six years after that, they relieved him of his duties. They voted him out unjustly, I might add. But how did he endure? Because the history of Jonathan Edwards goes on after that relieving of his ministry, taking him out of the ministry, it goes on. How did he not become bitter and angry and give up on ministry? Well, that's what we want to see as the Apostle Paul writes in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 7, where, interesting, Jonathan Edwards preached the ordination service from there, preaching, he didn't know at that time, to himself to endure. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your holy word. It is good for us in every situation. And we thank you that as Nick enters this time, it is a call to endurance. Thank you for the epitome of endurance in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the example of endurance from the Apostle Paul. And as we Open up your word, Father, we recognize how we depend upon the Spirit of God for the preaching of your word, the understanding of your word, and the application of your word. Have mercy upon us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. We have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But to the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. 
In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we proclaim that what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, uh, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. First of all, I'd like to point out in that verse 7, he begins, it says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. It's a treasure that we have as ministers of the gospel. We are able to hold the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it interesting that he says in in verse 1, he says, we have this ministry, it's the ministry of God, and so we do not lose heart. We have this specific ministry that God has called us to, and he's given us a specific message, and that is the gospel declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the Lord. And Philippians chapter 2 says, He, being in the form of God, and thought not a robbery to be equal with God, took upon him the form of a servant. He stepped down. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. There's our Lord going to battle for us. And therefore, he says, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord the glory of God the Father. So recognizing him as Lord, preaching him as Lord is a gift, is a ministry, it is open to us. As Paul goes on to say there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, he says, God has opened to us that given us this specific ministry that the light of the glory of God is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Now we're not looking for images, we're not looking for um, things to to look at physically, but but our ears hear the gospel, to hear the mighty works of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he entered into this world, he accomplished salvation for us, and we see the glory of God in the face of our Lord Jesus Christ. Even Paul said he recognized that the gospel was a gift, he's ready to preach the gospel to those who are in Rome because he's not ashamed of the gospel. So it's interesting that as a minister of the gospel, we are tested in the Presbyterian church as to whether we know Jesus Christ, or we have to give our, our Christian experience, first of all, to the candidates committee, and then the candidates committee brings you before the, the, the floor of presbytery, and each time you have to give your Christian experience. Then you have to tell about your call to the ministry, and then you have to tell about your, um, the, the, the external call where people have recognized your call. But then when you go to ordination, it's a repeated again. Examining committee will ask you your Christian experience and your call to ministry and evidence of your call. And then when you come before the floor of presbytery, it's again. Why do we do that? Because a person cannot give away unless they have it. Unless the light of the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ has entered their heart, they can't give it away. They can't tell on something they don't know. And so it's very important that we have these things. So, but consider then this mighty treasure. How do we endure? Understand that God has handed to us the treasure of the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and all the story of him and all he has accomplished. But we're jars of clay. It's interesting. David writes in Psalm 32 that he felt forgotten as a broken, 
vessel. That's all ministers are. Some would say we're cracked pots. <laughs> we're just jars of clay. We're weak, and that's why we need much prayer. It's not in the text I read, but following that text, Paul says we're afflicted in every way. We're crushed. We're perplexed. We're persecuted. We're struck down. Ministers are, are weak people because we're people. And we carry, as the Apostle Paul said, after all these things, he said, I have the burdens of the church. And so we're weak. We recognize that. When it says, in the, in, when the Apostle Paul talked about these things, he recognized his weakness. And truly, there's an attitude that ministers must have and say, I can't do this, Lord. I need your help. <laughs> because as soon as we think we have it figured out, how to do ministry, we mess up. It's interesting, the Lord Jesus Christ described it this way. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. A minister that thinks he can do it without Jesus won't endure. A minister that comes helpless to the Lord Jesus Christ constantly when he's going to prepare a sermon. I can't do this, Lord. I need your help. Before he preaches, he's saying, I can't do this, Lord. I need your help. And as he's, pre as he's preaching, his internal mind is saying, Lord, I need your help. Right? That's what it is. It's a constant coming before God. Now, there's a story of Spurgeon. Everybody knows stories of Spurgeon. You always wonder, what if he did all those things? Right? But this is, I believe this is true, that some, somehow a uh, reporter went to hear, to talk to him before the service, and Spurgeon is in his office, and the door is closed, and he hears him in there saying, if you're not going with me, I can't do this. I need your help. I need you to be with me. If you're not going, I can't do this without you. So the reporter stood up by and watched Mr. Spurgeon leave and go up to the, go up to the service. So he looked inside to see who he was talking to. He was talking to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. That is the attitude of endurance. But notice what he says here in, in verse 7. He says, not only do we have this treasure in jars of clay, to show the surpassing power. There's power in preaching. There's power... I don't know about you, uh, other ministers here, but I get addicted to this stuff. You know, there's, I mean, when you have the presence of God, I, I want this, I always tell our people, I would rather preach than eat. Why? Because not because I'm such a hotshot preacher, it's just because I, I seek the presence of God, and I sense the presence of God when I'm preaching, and I want, I want that all the time. That makes you endure. Listen to this. Paul says, we have renounced uh, disgraceful, underhanded ways in verse 2. We refuse to practice cunning and to tamper with God's word. Why is that? Because a minister, you know, I'm, a, I'm the oldest guy around here, <laughs> okay? And I was ordained 40 years ago the first time, and I took a vow 40 years ago as it was charged to me, preach the word. Preach the word, Bob. And you know what? That's the only thing that feeds God's people. Preach the word. The word is powerful. Hebrews 4 says, 
It's quick, it's alive, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides the sunder of soul and spirit, and the joints and marrow thereof, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I don't care who's preaching, they can't do that. The Word of God can. It's powerful. Not only that, but the gospel is powerful. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. It is dynamite. It breaks up the hard and stony heart. It is a heart of flesh. But also the Spirit of God is powerful. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I decided to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Let's go to example number one in 1 Thessalonians. The Apostle Paul says, Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. I know that you're the elect, he said. Well, let's back up. Paul says, For a gospel came to you not in word only, but in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and with much assurance. That's terrific. These people turned to the living God and became examples to others. Why? Because the gospel came not just in word, but in power. How does that do that? It's the Spirit of God that works in that. And so it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, you received the word from us, and he says, you received it not as the word of men, but as it really is, the word of God. Uh, there was a book out a couple years ago, Jonathan Landry Cruz, if you've not read it, is really good. It has, What Happens When We Worship? And one of the chapters in there says, when the pastor... The man of God is preaching the word of God to the people of God. It is Christ speaking to the people. Now, we're not transformed into Christ. But if we're preaching the word, he's speaking to you through the word of God. That's powerful, isn't it? You know, there's a thing that we do. Uh, this old preacher I knew, uh, an old preacher... Nick always used to kid me. Matter of fact, it was interesting because I always quote old preachers and talk about old preachers when he was preaching at our... I don't know if he ever pulled that here at Christ Central, but there he would say, and this old preacher I knew, and he'd look at me. I knew he was talking about me. So I'm his, the old preacher in his life. There you go. Anyway, this old preacher used to call what we do in the end of the service with the pastors at the door, he called that the glorification of the worm. And the reason is because he's just a worm, Right? And people do say some nice things. Now, I'm not knocking that. Don't let me, let me tell you something. When, you, when a man is preaching and finishes preaching, he has emptied himself. And he needs all the encouragement he can. But he can't take things too seriously because the people say, oh, I enjoyed that sermon. And he'll let it go by because, A, the sermon was given to him by God. Secondly, it is God's word to begin with. Third, it was the Spirit of God that helped him to preach that word. Fourth, it was the Spirit of God who allowed them to hear it and receive it. So is there any way for the pastor to glory? No. Don't stop giving encouragement. That's why I remind preachers, it's just the glorification of the worm. Okay? It is, thank God for the people that encourage you because you've just emptied yourself. But don't get too high on it. And that's why sometimes ministers don't know exactly what to say. Because they know. I didn't preach my words. I didn't preach the word of God. I didn't do it on my strength. It was him. I didn't even know what I was doing when I was studying, preparing. I asked him for help and didn't help. He helped me. So I have nowhere to glory. Isn't that what Paul said? 
He that glories, let him glory in the Lord. All right, one last point, and this is so good, because not only are we just earthen vessels who handle the treasure, the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ, not only do we get to do that, but it's the powerful Word of God. It is the power of God working in us and through us to the people of God. And that's why he puts it on display and he says, it's to show. God has ordained it this way to show off something. His power. To show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. With great power, it says in Acts chapter 4, with great power the apostles were given their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul says, I did not come men with wisdom, but I came in the power of the Spirit. Paul, in his weakness, was told, My strength is made perfect in your weakness. A beautiful passage that we always turn to in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29, says, He gives power to the faint. Endurance. Endurance is we seek the Lord Jesus Christ. And we find that endurance in the pleasure that we find as God shines in our hearts to give light to the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Back to Jonathan Edwards. How did he endure? It says that his regular event in life was to ride on his horse for his health. He would, it says, uh, the words that I found, it says he alighted from his horse in a retired place. In other words, he parked the horse. Okay, I don't know if he parallel parked, whatever, but he parked the horse. All right. And he would get off and he would walk. And as he would walk, he would spend time in contemplation and prayer. And regularly for him was the experience of an extraordinary sense of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Nick and my fellow ministers and all of you who love the Lord Jesus Christ, that is the key to endurance. Drop everything and spend time with him. And pray that God would give you the light of his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. We're just jars of clay. We're just weak. We need your prayers. We need your encouragement. But for us to survive, we need him and a fresh view of him. Thank God he gives us those things, allows us to be motivated afresh, to not give up, but to serve God who has been so gracious to hand this treasure to us that in spite of the fact that we're jars of clay, we demonstrate the power of the living God in us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the example of the Apostle Paul. Thank you for men like Jonathan Edwards. Thank you for my brethren in the ministry that are so focused on finishing well. And I pray, Lord, that 
you would give us grace all to serve you all of our days and to be motivated by this great blessing in our lives just to have a fresh view of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I pray this for Nick as he begins his journey and pray that it would not only be regular for him, but it would take him to new heights in his spiritual growth and maturity. Thank you, Father, for your encouragement. In Jesus' name, amen.